podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC and your daily reminder that the Reds are top of the league. Liverpool go to Arsenal this weekend, looking to extend their lead over the Gunners. A win would put us eight points clear of them, would maintain our five-point lead on City. A draw would be absolutely fine. We'd keep that five-point lead on Arsenal. City potentially would close the gap to three points and they would have a game in hand, though we have the better goal difference. Defeat is not the end of the world, though it would be disappointing because we're just a better team than them. You go man for man or machine for machine, as they like to say. And there's just no question we're a better team. We've got a better goalkeeper, a better right back, better left backs, much better centre backs. We're better in midfield and we're better in attack. Myself and Carl went into detail on the attacking numbers on Scouted yesterday. And there really is no comparison. Now, they'll claim to have a stronger defensive setup, but it just isn't the case. It just isn't the case. We play a far more attacking, open brand of football than they do. They're conservative. They're dull. They're Brentford in a lot of ways. They're heavily reliant on set pieces. They've only scored 18 goals from open play that aren't counterattacks this season in the Premier League, whereas we've scored 34. We're just a much more threatening team. Now, they're very good on set pieces. Very, very good on set pieces. That's something we'll have to be aware of. They are good on the counter, but so are we. We can go and win that game. Now, we got bad news today. As Jürgen let us know that Darwin left Anfield in a protective boot on Wednesday after the Chelsea game with his foot swollen. Now, he, he's had x-rays and there's nothing broken, nothing damaged, but he does have some pain. So the hope is that obviously he's going to be okay to go at the weekend. Given we have a week break after that game, hopefully he can play through the pain. Given that after Arsenal, we've got a couple of more favourable fixtures that potentially we could rest Darwin for. You'd hope that he's good to go in this one because this is exactly the type of game we need him in. We've seen Cody Gakpo up against Saliba. He makes it too easy for him because Cody plays off the centre-backs. He likes to drop a bit deeper and go searching for the ball. Darwin wants to be physical. He wants to play in behind and he wants to run them ragged. That's what Saliba hates. He doesn't like the physical battle either. Darwin will make it physical with him. 
Gakbo won't. He doesn't play his size. Cody offers different things. He's a good player. He does have value to us, obviously. But against this type of defense, Darwin suits a lot better. After this game, we have Burnley at home, Brentford away, and then the cup final is on the 25th. So there's three weeks between Arsenal and the cup final. So hopefully Darwin can play through this. And then even if he has to sit out Burnley and Brentford or Burnley and then be on the bench for Brentford, you know, this is the one that matters. Then it's Chelsea. Then it's the FA Cup fifth round where we've got a favourable draw. Then we've got Forest. And then the next big one is City on the 9th of March. There's no reason if we if we get through this Arsenal game with a win or a draw, we should be rolling into that City game having won the interim five. Then we go through City. Then we get Everton away. It'll be tough, but we should go there and win. We should beat Brighton at home. We should beat Sheffield United at home. And then we go to Anfield. Or we go to Anfield. We go to Old Trafford at the start of April. So we've got each month, big games to start each month. Arsenal to start February. City early in in March. United early in April. And then Spurs followed by Villa in May. With a bit of luck, we've got the title wrapped up before we go to Villa Park because that will be a tough one. Now, they may have other focuses with the Europa uh, Conference League, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, deadline day came and went, and obviously the Reds didn't do anything. Uh, a couple of players did have some interest. Uh, Bobby Clark had some loan interest, but bids for him were turned down. The club have decided to keep him, and he's viewed as an important part of the squad for the remainder of the season. Uh, Nottingham Forest allegedly bid $15 million for Cuevine Kelleher, which was turned down. Now, I saw some people say, including Dominic King, that $15 million was a silly price for him, that it, it should be a lot more. That doesn't really make any sense. I mean, Dean Henderson is close in age to Cuevine Kelleher, has about six times the number of games played far more Premier League experience, England international. And he went for 15 million plus add-ons. So I'm not sure where the idea that Kelleher would bring over 20 million when he's played 33 senior games, only seven in the league. And frankly, hasn't improved at all in the last two years. There's a fantasy world going on if people think he's going to bring 20 million. James Trafford is England's on the 21 goalkeeper more experienced than Kelleher prior to this season, having had multiple loans, was coming off the back of a very successful summer for England in the underage group. And obviously a bit of English tax there. And he went for 15 million, rising to 19. So the 15 million figure is is right in the ballpark of where Kelleher should be. It might even be a little bit high for Kelleher. And you just hope we don't end up with another Nat Phillips situation here where we stupidly put a price of 10 million on him when he wasn't worth anything close to it. And now he's gone on another loan and he's probably going to end up leaving the club for free at some point. Um, Billy Cometio also left the club. 
he joined Blackburn Rovers on loan. Um, he was at Dunkirk in the summer or in, in the first half of the season. And that loan didn't go great. Blackburn have obviously taken a few players from us in recent years. Harvey Elliott, um, Leighton Clarkson went there and Tyler Morton. And obviously both Morton and Elliott, particularly Elliott, benefited hugely from his time there. Morton's probably benefited more from the time at Hull. I think that move has worked a lot better for him. He started well at Blackburn and then sort of tailed off. But the the year of playing, the year of getting used to the physicality definitely has uh, stood him in good stead. And he's been really good for Hull this year. Um Reese Williams is back at the club following his loan at Port Vale being cut short due to injury. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, but it looks like we'll have him um, in the other 21s for the rest of the season. Harvey Blair was due to go on loan, but he's got an ongoing injury, so he has been kept back. And Matthias Muzalowski, the... uh, impishly talented young Polish winger who for some reason just has never made the step to the first team level. Now, whether it's immaturity, whether it's inconsistency, I don't know, but very, very talented player. Uh, He's been linked to a bunch of clubs, including Leeds and Birmingham. Neither of those panned out, but he could still go on loan because the transfer window in Poland doesn't close till the 22nd of February. Now he's, he has said apparently that he doesn't want to go back to Poland just yet. But I mean, on loan for five months, it, it might be the best thing for him and get him some senior football. Um, Jürgen did a one-to-one with Rio Ferdinand and the line that's come out of it that everybody is latching on to is it's not that I want to leave Liverpool, I have to. They're ignoring the context of what he said. They're ignoring the full statement. That's the first part of a statement. That in itself is not a statement. He made it clear that he doesn't feel like he has the energy to continue to do the job at the level he wants to do it. He could easily stay and just phone it in and give a 7 out of 10 effort for the next five years. And very few people would call him out on it. Very few people would criticise him. Even if we just dropped back and became a team that, you know, got top four every year and won the odd cup, basically what what Arsenal were for the last 10 years of Wenger's reign there. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At US Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. But you have, there's a lot of comparisons to be made between Jürgen and Arsene Wenger in terms of how much scope they have within the club, especially in Jürgen's case, post Michael Edwards, in Wenger's case, post David Dean. And he probably looked at Wenger and thought he had a great first 10 years. 
but the last 10 years kind of spoil his legacy there. If you just look at the overall body of work. Now, if you live through that era, you know how good Arsenal were in those first 10 years under Wenger, the first seven years, really. The first seven years, three league titles, two FA Cups, that unbeaten season in the league. It was incredible. They do get to a European Cup final in 06, but it's a bit of a dead cat bounce. They're no longer a team that's a real threat to win the Premier League because of Chelsea. And then the arrival of Chelsea was actually the best thing that could have happened to United because they were able to just sort of take a backward step for a year or two and say, okay, let's, let's just ride this out. Let them win their titles, rebuild ourselves. And we'll go again. Whereas he, Ferguson wouldn't have done that if he was going head to head against Arsenal. And in all likelihood, Ferguson doesn't get those three titles in a row and might not get any more than that. He might have gone down with the ship as they went head to head with Arsenal and just kind of declined basically what happened at the end at United for him. I think, I think it's, if Jürgen feels like he's not able to give the right level of energy, then it's the right time for him to go. I just think that's the club has to come first. It has to come first. The club was here a long time before Jürgen. It'll be here a long time after Jürgen. But the thing that will be Jürgen's real legacy at this club is the next 10 years because of what he's put in place you look at the squad he's leaving behind. Best goalkeeper in the world, best centre-backs in the league, best right-back in the world, best right-sided attacker in, in the world, great midfield group, other outstanding attackers, other outstanding defenders, an academy that's churning out talent now, a mindset and a belief that we can go toe-to-toe with anybody. All of that is his legacy. Similar to how Paisley took over from Shankly and used the foundations that Shankly left behind to have incredible success. And there's no reason, no reason that the next guy in bringing a fresh set of eyes, bringing some new ideas, bringing a renewed energy, can't take what Jürgen has done, build on it and have even more success than Klopp has had. There's no reason. If we get the appointment right, there's no reason. Especially if we nail the structure as well and continue to be really clever about who we buy and how we buy. For example, if we were to add Tim Steed then, you put him in with his eye for talent, plus the, the absolute wizards that we have behind the scenes led by Will Spearman, who can find talent in places you wouldn't know to look find what we need in places you wouldn't know to look. You get those two in. You get, you get him in with the group that are there already, including obviously Dave Fallows and Barry Hunter and the extended um, team of, of scouts. There's no reason we can't really zero in on being like Brighton on steroids And rather than having to wait for a Moises Caicedo to be 105 million, buying him for 5 million 
and stashing him somewhere on loan for a year or two. You know, there's no reason we can't be the team that does that. There's no reason we couldn't buy Karo Matoma and stash him somewhere on loan to develop for a year, bring him into the squad, get him going as a squad player, and then he becomes a starter. There's no reason we can't do that. None at all. We're in a position where we don't have huge needs. We've got three players that we need. It's not like we need a new team. It's not like we even need half a team. We need three players. And then beyond that, we can afford to go and buy the next iteration and always be succession planning and be selling players then when they hit 27, 28, 29 and their value hits its high point, sell them. We've got two others to come in and just keep it moving. It's what Liverpool always did. Move them out when they get too old. Let their legs go on someone else's payroll. If we were to get Tim Steed then and then nail the managerial appointment, and I've said already, for me, it's Ruben Amorim. He ticks every single box. I would take Zidane. I think there's some risk there. I don't know how much English he speaks either, but Amorim is fluent. I'd be happy with Alonso. I'd be happy with De Zerbi. But for me, it's Amorim and Zidane would be number two. I've, I've taught myself heavily into the, the idea of Zidane. There is risk because we don't know what he's like outside of the Real Madrid ecosystem, but three European Cups in a row doesn't happen. And, you know, it happened for him. But we do that. There's no reason the next 10 years can't be more successful than the last 10. And much of that will be because of what Klopp left behind, because of the work that he did rebuilding the club. Um. On Liverpool.com, they are, as always, selling us the hopes and dreams. And there's a piece about Nabil Fakir. There is a piece about Darwin. Chelsea given FFP warning by ex-Man City advisor as Liverpool and Manchester United threatened transfer. Okay, we'll come back to that. FSG leads three billion deal as John Henry confirms next phase in new investment. Let's have a look. Uh, there's a piece about Erling Haaland for some reason. New Liverpool di- sporting director in three exciting transfers. Let's have a look. Uh, Liverpool quietly made four transfer deadline day decisions. Okay, we've been over that. Um. There's a piece about Morton Frendrup, the uh, Genoa midfielder that we've been linked with. Let's see. Chelsea give an FFP warning. Chelsea may have to sell homegrown players to avoid becoming the latest side to breach the financial fair play rules. Um, Oh, yeah, Stefan Borson. In my mind, there's certainly trouble on the horizon and Chelsea will likely fail FFP for the current season unless, and it seems very unlikely, they sell well over 100 million worth of players. That would be 100 million profit they would need to make. Uh, Manchester United considered Goncalo Inacio's swoop. It, it amuses me greatly that United have been linked with players like Inacio and Branthwaite and they were linked with Levi Colwell in the summer. 
left-footed left-side centre-backs. Didn't they buy the greatest left-footed left-side centre-back of all time the year before? Isn't that what we were told, that he was better than Van Dijk? That he's the best in the league? And yet they continue to be linked with players that would take his position. It's a bit odd. Uh, John Henry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's the Strategic Sports Group, SSG, not to be confused with FSG. Um, And it consists of FSG, along with Stephen Cohen, who owns the New York Mets, Arthur Blank, who owns the Atlanta Falcons, and Wick Grosbeck, who owns the Boston Celtics. And they are investing in the PGA Tour. Okay. A new sporting director in three exciting transfers. Let's see what they have to say. Sporting director. They don't name any options, but such is the way it is. Uh, Three contracts we sorted out. We know about them. Virgil, Ali, and Virgil, Trent, and uh, Mo. And is that it? Where's the exciting transfers? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Joel Matip and Thiago to leave. Liverpool could add more depth in all areas. The back, a defender will probably need be needed. Um, yeah, that's that doesn't tell us anything at all. That's no fun. There's nothing exciting about that piece. Uh, on to AnfieldIndex.com. There is a piece about Xabi Alonso and a report that he's picked his first signing, which just seems like utter nonsense, to be honest. Uh, James Marshmount of Team Talk brings us this compelling story, and a story it is, uh, of course, Florian Verts. It's literally just a journalist making something up, but it's important that we do we do note it as uh, a piece about Darwin, a piece about Paul Merson embarrassing himself again. David Ornstein talking about Liverpool's uncertain future, which I don't think is nearly as uncertain as some people would have you believe. Jurgen Klopp's parting gift, Eintracht Frankfurt winner, Hugo Larson. I mean, now it mentions here the potential of a 68 million fee um, which is I think I don't know where that fee has come from is it a buyout clause in his contract I'm not sure why it would uh, why he would cause cost anything close to 68 million very very talented young Swedish kind of midfielder Um, certainly don't think he cost 68 million He moved for decent money, I suppose, last summer. But still, I don't think he cost $68 million. But definitely one to keep an eye on. Definitely one to keep your eye on. Um, Podcast-wise, there is the press conference pod after Jürgen spoke today. There is the new scouted. And there's still post-match raw from the Chelsea game if you want to listen to that. But that's it for today, folks. Thank you, as always. And I'll see you on Tuesday. Not here Monday. See you Tuesday. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
there's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.